Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in and clicking play on episode two of the spinoff show. Uh, I'm recording these prior to every spinoff show moving forward so that you have an idea of who the guest is, what they're all about, and maybe what we kind of talk about in this particular episode. Um, I should have done this prior to episode one with Humphrey Ching, but at that time I didn't know that I was going to be putting this on the main feed. I thought that was going to be Patreon only, so that was minimal editing. And I didn't do it. But moving forward, I'm going to do it because you're going to look at the names of these people. And some of these people you might not recognize. And you're like, why the fuck is Anthony talking to them? If you hit play, you'll know why I'm talking to them. So we're in episode two of the spinoff show. And for this episode, I speak to someone that you are probably familiar with if you are listening to the Jock and Nerd podcast on a consistent basis. Matt Dalhauer himself joins the show, joins the spinoff show. If you don't know who Matt Delhauer is, he is a frequent contributor to the Jock and Nerd podcast, creating the What the Fuck series where he eloquently bashes on terrible superhero movies. Um, along with that, he has his own podcast called the Ginger Geek Pod. Um, you can find him on the Ginger Geek Pod as well as on his own blog called the Ginger Geek Blog. Along with that, he's a former writer for The Nerdist. Um, so we go into his career at The Nerdist on this particular show. We go into what he's doing now. It's a really interesting conversation. You know Matt Delhauer. He's entertaining as fuck. He's charming as hell. I talked to him for about an hour and 15 minutes or so. Check it out. This is the Jock Spinoff Show. live again on the spinoff show. I've decided to call this the spinoff show now, not mano a mano. So uh, if you're looking at the title, I got Matt Delhauer here, who's been on the podcast, the Jock Nerd podcast, more than a few times, starting with the What the Fuck Happened series, and then spinning off into his own podcast and doing a bunch of voiceovers, and he's done other podcasts. Matt Delhauer, cue the sound of applause. Rah! Welcome Yay. to the spinoff show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going all Good. right. How are you? I'm all right. I just got done. Well, first off, we just got done trying to figure out what the hell was going on with the audio, but I literally just got home from a from a workout, CrossFit workout. Yeah, bro. And decided <laughs> not to shower because I was like, oh, crap. I realized that I told you 8.30 central time, which is 9.30 your time, and I didn't want to make you wait. So I'm sitting here stinky talking to you. I can tell. I can just hear you it. smell me through the mic? Yeah. Through the waves? Yeah. But yeah, I wanted to do this with you. First off, I think this is smart just because you're a familiar name. And yeah, the, it's, uh, the audience I'm, I'm somebody you. they've heard, so they, they're either going to be like, oh, I get to hear more of him, or they'll yeah. immediately skip it. <laughs> I like. I always like your, your take on things, and I like your your podcast that you've started. Ginger Is Ginger Geek Podcast? Ginger Geek Podcast, or podcast. Ginger Geek Pod if you want to be cool about it. Yeah, I, I've liked your take on things because I think you put a lot of thought behind anything that you you do or you work on. Oh, good, man. That means my entire facade is working. <laughs> I mean, I haven't heard too many people go into the psychology behind fake shit, and, and you do that. Yeah, uh, I decide to really try and dive deep into the shit that doesn't have any weight to it. <laughs> Um, that ultimately doesn't matter because that's that's what I'm good at. 
your shows are usually what half hour, twenty minutes or less. Twenty. I think uh, longest I had was maybe thirty. Yeah. What What was the thought process behind doing, um, your whole show? What was the thought process behind starting it up and and doing the format that you decided to do? Um, I think it, it, this goes back to uh, a couple of years ago. Um, the the Cape Swoosh group had a podcast that they were doing that was called uh, the Geek Chorus. Which oh, I remember wonderful. that wonderful little play on words that they did where they would just kind of it was almost like a a sort of a jock and nerd thing where it was like here's a topic of the day and we're going to discuss it and we're going to go over you know wonderful things here and there um and i was on episode two or three of that that they did where they talked about just the relationship of batman and the joker and ever since then i realized like i really love kind of getting into just the deep the deeper level of things when it comes to fictional narrative. And I love being able to kind of pull things out of it where it's not just, you know, a story about a, two dudes in costumes beating each other up or whatever it is, but really like, you know, what's, what's the symbolism here and what is, what, what can we learn about life and, and humanity and whatever through it. And so, I mean, I, I went to, to college for things like film and English and whatnot, so being able to kind of uh, think way too much about shit has been my life for years. <laughs> so I, I decided after a while, you know, we had had uh, Mike had done Geek Chorus for a little while, and then he had kind of passed the torch on to Rob. And after a while, Rob was deciding like it was it was something he didn't really want to continue with because he would had other things he was dealing with. So at one point there was talk about whether or not I was going to take over and and uh, and kind of make a, a third iteration of it and make it my own. And I'd even I'd even announced it on Jock and Nerd that I was going to be doing so. But as time went on, I kind of thought to myself like I've used the Ginger Geek name since 2012 when I started doing a blog just about whatever, mm -hmm. and I wanted to use it to kind of build on my writing credits for internet you know site whether it's you know movie sites or 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 like when i did nerdist because i can't go through an interview without saying that name um and <laughs> That's so how I decided, we used to bill you yeah i know it was i think it was <laughs> the first two episodes we were able to do that and then right. legally we couldn't anymore <laughs> no but um uh so i i decided if i was going to try and do my own podcast i said you know honestly I should try and build my own brand instead of working to try and rehash somebody else's thing. So I decided to make it the ginger geek podcast, but I still wasn't sure what I wanted to do with it for a while. I'd thought about, was I going to do interviews? Was I going to try and do, you know, uh, in, in, in the same vein as jock and nerd. Am I looking to try and do like a weekly thing where I'm talking about like, here's what we can read on the internet. If you decide not to listen to me right. and, um, Ultimately, I, I I was inspired weirdly enough by I, th I like I even even said it when I did the first episode. I was inspired by uh, the the Star Wars movie that had come out at the time, Last Jedi, mm -hmm. and really just how much I had found in that movie that I felt was a lot deeper and a lot more than just a surface level adventure film that we all had come to expect. And right. it was the first time that I really felt like, here's something I really want to talk about. And here's something I feel so personally connected to that I want to do something about. And I thought to myself, I don't want my podcast to just be another 
you know, mid to late 20s white guy talking about why I love comic books, because there's a million of them. And I right. wanted to find something I thought was going to be able to at least stick out. And I thought, you know, I don't know anybody who's really trying to do a whole lot of like academic research into aspects of fiction or at least, you know, like geek, very deep geek related fiction like Star Wars or comic books or whatever. And so I figured the thing that I love about it is it's a thing where I'm able to kind of stand out by what it is I'm doing, but it's also not really me like flexing at everyone being like, dude, look how smart I am. Like I've got all these great things. Like literally I have to research all of this and learn it before I tell anybody else. Right. So it's, it's, it, it kind of feeds this thirst of being able to learn myself and then being able to share that information with others who might find it interesting. I, that's the vibe I get is not that you're, Oh, I'm so smart. Look how, look how I've, dove into this and i picked this all up right away it's more the vibe i got was exactly what you've said is where you've done a ton of research you're like this is connecting to something else deeper than just this surface level stuff let me look into this a little more and then it comes off as you sharing your research which i like it's something different rather than being this pretentious asshole that is so smart yeah, so I, I, the, the intent the the intent is how it's being received by me at least. Oh, cool. Because yeah, the, the the last thing I wanted was for it to be like an um actually podcast, right? And so <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm glad that I was able to escape that. Well, I'm I'm also glad that um you're deciding to do something different because there are a lot of uh, geek podcasts out there, <clears throat> jock and nerd, uh, that just cover <laughs> the week's topics. So. Yeah, the, the, your 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 angle is a little bit more unique than the, what me and Imran decided to start with. I think the only angle that makes me and Imran really unique is the fact that uh, he is just insanely over caffeinated. Except not really. Except that's just how he is. Mm -hmm. And then you have the balance of me being, I really don't give a fuck. Unbelievably about this. drowsy. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that it's just the difference in our voices and the fact that we're both not twenty to thirty year old white guys, even True. though. True, it true. could be confused just by listening to our voice that we are. So yeah, there's and that. That's, I mean, that's, that's the nice thing is that you get to do this podcast. You can pull in a bunch of white people. And when they find out that, you know, it, you know, Imran's from a Muslim family and that you're half Filipino, they can get mad later. Yeah. That's, that's the whole point of the podcast really is to piss off those white people that it's, hate, it's just um, a trick racist minorities. Man. Yeah. It's where, we're just, we're just trying to piss people off, really. That's the whole point of our show. Um, no, man, I like I like your shit. You're, the latest one was The Punisher, right? Or you re-released that? No, that was the newest one. That was the, that was the first in what I guess I'm dubbing season two okay. of the podcast. It was just, yeah, it was the first one after a hiatus where I was just kind of struggling creatively with getting things either uh, thought up or just even made. Are you... You have you just do these and release these when you feel like you have something to talk about, right? There's no real schedule. Or Initially, that's what I did. Um, okay. I decided starting with the new year that my yeah. plan was going to be one a month going forward. Oh, nice. I I'm fully set that I want to have another one out by next week, uh, third week, I guess it is of February. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying I'm trying my best to be able to kind of make it more consistent so that way I'm not giving myself the excuse to be like, ah, I got nothing to talk about this month, maybe next month. And then suddenly, like I had, it was like four months later and nothing but had been out. And I don't yeah. I don't want to do that. 
Yeah, that's the that's the thing when with my struggle, not struggle, but my thought on starting this spinoff is I'm going to do it when I feel like it. I just don't want to get into that rut of never feeling like it again. Yeah, exactly. You know? So I refer at least for the start, I'm going to try to do this weekly or do do episodes pretty consistently so that it just becomes a habit of, okay, I got to keep doing this. I got to keep doing this. Well, and I'll, I will say the, the thing that I absolutely envy about you going for this format is that it's literally just, we're going to sit down, we're going to talk about whatever, and that's it. Right. For me, the, the thing that I struggle with is that I sit down and I have to, A, think of the topic. Yeah. B, I got to go find the research. C, I got to write the thing. Then I have to be feeling like what I wrote is even worthwhile. And then I hit that moment where I'm like, nobody's going to fucking care about this topic. Why are you even writing about this? (laughs) (laughs) There's a little bit more to, I I will give you this. There's a lot, actually a lot more to what you're doing than what I'm doing. This is very easy. This is just me reaching out to people and going, hey, want to talk? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Your your shit is is a lot better than this. And I'll I'll put it (laughs) this way. I don't don't want it to sound like I do a lot more than you, Anthony. It's more along the lines of like- You do more. I'll, I'll it's, say it. It's more along the lines of like, uh, whenever it comes to anything creative, I, I suffer from a, a terribly like debilitating crea- creativity anxiety mm-hmm. where it's like, I'm always afraid like this is going to be the episode that everyone's going to hate. And they're going to be like, dude, this one sucked. What were you doing? And so like every time I'm like, ah, I shouldn't even do this episode. I shouldn't even bother. This one sucks. And just have you ever gotten negative I, feedback from anything you've done? For this, like on, no. For this. So yeah, far. Right? So far for this podcast, I haven't. Uh, I think the most I've gotten in the way of negative feedback was when I did the, the cyberpunk episode. I had a lot of people who told me like, oh, I didn't listen to that one because I didn't see Blade Runner 2049. And they're like, mm-hmm. and I don't want you to ruin that. And I was like, that's perfectly fair. I get it. I, I straight up say at the beginning of the podcast, I'm going to ruin that movie. So don't listen. Yeah. Um. But yeah, for the podcast, I really haven't gotten any negative feedback, but at the same time, like I've gotten, I've gotten positive feedback here and there, but it's like outside of that, you know, when you have five people being like, yeah, man, it was great. I really love that episode. You're like, awesome. I, I guess five people heard it. He's <laughs> like, it is, it is completely like the fact that I'm doing this on my own. It's completely into a void. I was just going to say podcasting in general is just screaming into a void and I look at our numbers every week and, and we've grown steadily and we've been doing this for three or four years now. So we better fucking grow. Yeah, uh, well, I think my the prob- people that com- there's a very small percentage of people that comment. And I, I think my problem is, is like, I'll even look at the download numbers and stuff like that. And it's, it's really cool when I get to look and I see like, wow, like 40 something people downloaded this episode the day it came out. Like mm-hmm. to me, that's, that's already baffling, but it's just this, this idea of, I don't know how to market myself ever. Mm-hmm. Like I, I grew up in, in a household that was very much like, you know, you don't brag about anything. You know, you, you'd be very polite about stuff. You don't try and push anything that you're, you, you want like onto other people. So I don't know how to go out there and be like, Hey, listen to my podcast. It might suck. And I don't know if you're ever going to like it, but listen, I guess, um, so it's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to crack that way. Cause like I can, I can play off of the idea of being like a cocky, self-assured asshole all the time. But mm-hmm. when it comes to shit, like I really care about and I actually like, like, I'm so terrified of trying to tell people like, here's this thing I made and I'm really proud of it. And just having them be like, this is fucking garbage. 
And I'm like, oh, okay. So have a good day then. Well, I think for you at, at this point, I mean, first off, your shit's not garbage, in, in my opinion. Well, thanks. But second, secondly, I don't think you're, I mean, no, no offense to you, but you'd know, say this. You're not big enough for someone to want to troll anyway. <laughs> no, and that's absolutely true. The funny thing is, is as much as I talk about like, oh, I don't really get all that much in the way of numbers and I don't know how to like, you know, uh, like sell myself or anything like that. I honestly fear the idea of being like known mm-hmm. for podcasting or anything. Fear because, the idea like, of what? Say that again. Fear the idea of being known for oh, podcasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, if I fucking work myself up into a panic now about whether or not this episode is worthwhile when I've got like 50 people listening to me, if Mm -hmm. I'm like pulling in like 20,000, 30,000 downloads in a week, I will have a panic attack because it's like, you will definitely have people that want to talk shit to you at that point. Yeah, because then it's going to be people who are like, you'll fucking know what you're talking about. And I'm going to be like, I don't. You'll immediately agree, like Imran. Exactly. I know I suck. I suck. Oh man, yeah, I'm the worst. Nine out of ten. <laughs> oh my god, he's so goddamn. I hope you don't ever be like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's because ultimately, when you know, to, to go back and and toot my own horn for the the real only accomplishment I feel like I had when I when I wrote for Nerdist. Yes. When was I that? Didn't, what year was that? That was 2015. Okay. So that was the year you guys started. Yes, we started in March of 2015. Um, I never really knew how to deal with the fact that because I was writing for like this big nationally known website that like most of the interaction I had from readers was negative. Was it really? Oh yeah. Oh wow. It's, it's, it's fucking internet trolls going after yeah. a, a nerd website. Yeah. So the it's like section on anything big is, is just, is just dire. It's just the, the worst it's, a cesspool. it's just like you know i would write like a 250 word article that was essentially just being like hey they're gonna put out a new batman comic at the end of the month it's probably gonna be fun everyone loves batman the last time we read a batman comic was just last week but this one's gonna be a different one all right see you later and just immediately you'd have comments like batman fucking sucks and you're a faggot and i'm like <laughs> what the fuck does that mean <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, that's, it makes me laugh. Oh my god! How did you get into the Nerdist? So I think we've talked about this, but I honestly forgot. I was gonna say I, we might have talked about it the first time I was on. Yeah. Um, for a couple of years, I was writing as a freelancer on a few websites that a good friend of mine, uh, Ken Hanley, had gotten me into. Mm-hmm. And I only name drop him now because he was editor in chief at Fangoria for a while. So it's I'm cool. familiar with Fangoria. I get to feel super cool about it yes um but i worked on a couple things i did some stuff for fangoria for a little bit that i never got paid for despite them saying i would but that was back when they were under like the old management and it was awful um but ultimately one day he he just uh texted me and he's like hey i just saw on twitter that the the editor-in-chief of nerdist is looking for freelance writers for the website i was like oh cool uh i guess i'll put something in so i i sent them a resume and i sent them a cover letter and I heard nothing for like two months. And this was like in November. So, you know, they, the holidays came around. They were gone for three weeks. Like, but in my mind, it was like, all right. Yeah. You know, I swung for the fences and I didn't make it. It happens. I'll, I'll just move forward from here. And then I got an email like mid January of 2015. And they were like, hey, um, 
you know, it's uh, it's Nerdist. Uh, we we were wondering if maybe you were still interested in writing for us. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Fuck I yeah. am. <laughs> I was like, uh, I, 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 if you guys would have me, then sure, I'd be there. And they were like, great. And then like my next question was like, do you guys pay? They're like, yeah, absolutely. I was like, oh, fucking even better. That's awesome. So I wound up working as a freelancer for them for 12 months. Do they pay they pay you by the article? Uh yes. Um do you have can you write as much as you want or how does that work? You can. Um and then they'll the pay way you every they, time. The way it really worked out was like every morning they would have like a huge drop of articles that they wanted written that day. And you okay. could just kind of email in and be like, "Yeah, I'll do this one." Um and they after a while they started instating a rule where they were like if you claim an article, you have to turn it in before you claim another one. And I think it was yeah. because of me. Well, you because I'd everything. literally roll up and I'd be like, I'll write these five articles. You'll get them throughout the day. And like, I'd write one up, send it in, write the next one, send it in, so on and so forth. And I guess they just didn't like the idea that I was like cutting their list in half and taking half away from everybody else and being like, yeah, you'll get them within the next like 12 hours. Um, because then it was like they could have gotten those articles sooner if uh, their other writers were able to get to them and whatever else. So they started mm. making it like you have to have one finished before you send it in. Because I got to a point where I was writing maybe eight or nine articles a day just Holy because I was shit. like, because I was like, Dude, I'm going to pull in that money. Yeah. Um, And they didn't like that. They didn't like and that you I were think doing the that. The problem much? was is that because the problem was, is that, and I recognize that absolutely is. As time went on and I was doing that kind of thing, the quality of what I was writing was slipping more and more and more. I was just going to follow up. The, the more articles you're writing and trying to pound those out as quickly as you can, the, the quality control has got to slip a little bit. Absolutely. It's, you know, I'm not even proofreading my own stuff and I'm sending it in. So now mm-hmm. I've got the editors coming back being like, this reads like garbage, man. We can't post this. you got to rewrite it. Mm. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, but the problem was, was like, I... By June of that year, I had quit my day job, so I was only writing for Nerdist for work. Holy shit! That's you were all in. Yeah, so it was like I I'd said to myself, "I'm like, dude, I'm a writer now. This is what I do." So like, I'd quit my day job. I was writing freelance full time. So it was like I had to have all of these eight to ten articles written in a day. Otherwise, I'm not pulling in enough money to just like live my life. Holy fuck. I mean, I so, can't imagine they're paying a, a ton per article, so you definitely have to write. Yeah, so I was, lot. and that was that was the problem. Was as time went on, you know, it became more about me making sure I was making the money than like making sure my article about this lamp that looks like a thundercloud was like <laughs> perfect. So it got to a point where once we finally, and and I, as much as it was like, it was a weird kind of uh, combination of things. By the end of 2015 was when they were first starting to try and build the alpha site that they were doing with them and Geek and Sundry. What's the, what was the alpha site? I'm not so, I'm all that not all that familiar with it. Oh, uh, it's fine. Um, so alpha is a subscription service that oh, they created okay. with Geek and Sundry, which was Felicia oh, Day's that. company. That's all like video programs and stuff like that. So uh, like the Critical Role D and D show and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff was all part of that. Um, so they were moving towards doing that. So a lot of the editors at Nerdist were also on camera personalities that they had, and they all started shifting towards just being on camera personalities. 
Um, so they had less and less editors in office to take care of the written stuff. Because no one likes to read anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they they got to a point where at the end of 2015, we had this big, you know, uh, editorial meeting where they were talking about like, oh, we're, we're shifting towards this and we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And they they brought in an editor who was on the East Coast because they're set up in, in Los Angeles. And they were like, yeah, we have an East Coast editor to try and help out with, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the stuff that we have. We have a lot of writers on the East Coast it was kind of bullshit. I think it was two of us. Um, and they were like, so this is going to help with the time difference and everything like that. So I, I put in that email like, you know, hi, Mike. My name's Matt. I'm one of the East Coast writers. I look forward to writing, working with you. And yeah. literally like two minutes later, I got an email from the editor in chief being like, hey, can you call me at the office? Oh, no. I've never had to have a phone conversation with like anybody at Nerdist. Wow. So I wound up calling her at the office. Yeah, be like, what the fuck is this about? Yeah, and I was no. In the the moment she said that, like my my immediate reaction was, I'm getting fired. Well, now that I know you a little more, I look, you're definitely a, a failure mode kind of guy. So okay. So <laughs> I called the office. I'm like, hey, what's going on? She's like, yeah. So um, we are gonna have to kind of cut down on our writer pool because we're not gonna have nearly as many editors working on the site. And we are no longer going to need your services beyond this week. And so I was like, oh, okay. And I had a, I had like a thing I was writing for them. That was like a, a long-term like review for something. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you're, you're free to get that finished, you know, send it in anything that you might have that you're still working on, send it in so you can get money. The worst part of this was, this was like the week after Christmas vacation. Oh, like they had they had had a two week break for holiday and most of the editors were gone. We really weren't doing much in the way of new content. And so they were really pushing and she was really pushing to me, like, get as much written and in throughout the holiday break as you can. Not real. And I decided, you know, I'm not going to do that much. I'm going to have my own holiday break as well. Not realizing this was her subtle way of being like. Get your money now, because come January one, you're out. And she she was pushing this not only to you, but probably multiple writers to, to a bunch of the writers. Yeah. So, <sighs> I you know I I'm like oh, all you're right, all in. You're your yeah, job. I'm, yeah, this is your say, job. Well, at this point, I'd I'd picked up a, a side gig as well, just for like holiday stuff and whatnot. Okay. Figuring like you know, come January, I'm gonna be back into to beast mode, and we're gonna be just writing again. And I'm told like, yeah, we don't need you anymore. And that was it. And it's at the same time, it sucks because like I had been doing this for a year. Like this was a huge thing for me. I oh, covered wow, you were there for a whole year. Yeah. And I, I covered a whole bunch. Like I covered half of New York Comic Con for Nerdist. It was me and one other writer really? were covering New York Comic Con for them that year. Um, So like I was running around like a madman for all that. And this was one of those things where like it, it hit and I realized like I only have a part-time job now and i've got Mm. rent and a car payment and insurance to pay for and like so on and so forth and i have no idea what i'm going to do about it and the thing (laughs) the thing that sucked about it was like 
was like the most common thing that I heard from a lot of people was like, yeah, but you've got like Nerdist on your resume, man. Like that's got to mean something whenever you go putting something in for other websites. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. No other websites cared. Wow. Really? I would have thought the same thing. I come in and I'm like, yeah, man, you know, I've done freelance writing. I've written for the Nerdist. I've written for Fangoria, this, this, and that. And they're like, that's great. We can't pay you. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, Hold all on. right, never mind then. Yeah, this, then this ain't worth my time. So, you, can, <laughs> you can't go back to not being paid Yeah. once you're getting that bread from Nerdist. So, I wound up doing a little bit of stuff later on for Blumhouse because they had a website that they were running as well that was basically like a horror movie news site. Yeah. Um, and the funny enough, the the episode that I did about Scream for the podcast, talking about like the psychology of it and all that, yeah, that came was awesome. from an article I wrote for Blumhouse where I essentially described how Matthew Lillard's character in that movie is more terrifying than anybody realizes. He's fucking insane. So I, I listen. I love that episode's fantastic too. Which episode is that? Just so uh, episode two for Ginger Geek yes, Pod. Psychology of Scream. So that was one of those ones where like I, I did a couple things for them, and but the problem was was Nerdist was very different compared to a lot of other freelance writing for a lot of websites and a lot of places. The idea is you come to them and you're like, I've got this, you know, these ten ideas for an article that I think you would want. Do you want me to write any of them? And they'll be like, yeah, write, write that second one you have. And you'll mm-hmm. do that. You'll send it in. And now you pitch them another bunch of articles to send to them. Whereas Nerdist came to its writer pool and was like, we've got these 30 ideas for stories with links to like other stuff. Who wants to write it? What did you prefer? I guess I preferred the way Nerdist did it because it was easier you know, yeah. I, I mean, wasn't, I wasn't the ideas curating my own material. Yeah. I mean, that, but, that does sound ideal, but you can't be as creative, right? Yeah, it's, you can't be as creative. I mean, they, they allowed you to bring stuff to them. Like, if okay. you went out and you found something and you were like, hey, do you guys want me to write a story about this? If they did, they'd say yes. If they said no, they said no. Like, I, I brought ideas to them about, like, hey, um, I met uh, Mitch Gerrits, the, uh, the comic artist at Comic-Con. Um, he's doing a, uh, a book with Tom King about the Afghanistan war. Uh, would you guys want me to do an interview with him about this? Because I have his info. They were like, yeah, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. talk to him about it and we'll, we'll put it up on the site. Or, you know, I reached out to a publisher for a book series that I loved. And I was like, I, you know, this new book series is coming or this new book is coming out from an author. I really like, I'd love to be able to do a review of it. And they'd be like, they were like, yeah, sure, absolutely. So now I get to reach out to the publisher and be like, hey, can you send me an advanced copy? I work for Nerdist and I'm going to do a review of this book. That's fucking dope that you would get to that. You get that early access just by throwing in. With and that's Nerdist. it. It's, it's, yeah. that, was, that was the thing, man. Like, I loved being able to swing my dick around and say I work for Nerdist. Like, I went <laughs> down to, what was it? There was a, a concert in Virginia run by Guar called Guarbecue. Mm-hmm. And I, I went to Nerdist because like uh, my buddy Ken was going and he was going to cover it for a website. He was like, hey, man, do you want to go with me? I was like, there's no way I can afford that. And he goes, well, just see if Nerdist will pay for it. I was like, fuck, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so I went and I went to Nerdist. I was like, hey, is it cool if I went down to Guarbecue and like covered it for the website? And the guy who was like our music editor was like, yeah, I fucking love that idea, man. 
So Nerdist then reaches out, and now I've got a press pass to get into this thing for free. Holy and I'm like, I'm like, fuck. I don't know how to deal with this. Like this, I don't get handed shit. I mean, That's I'm white, amazing. but I don't get handed shit. <laughs> <laughs> the only I, I'm actually familiar with Guar. The only reason I'm familiar with Guar is I think they run Bam Margera's show. Do you remember Bam Margera? Uh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was all into that shit. So I, was, I Guar was very unique because I just the way they're fucking dressed up on stage. I was like, oh, oh yeah, shit, it's, these guys are crazy. It's a, bu- it's a bunch of fat white dudes wearing weird costumes made out of foam and they play heavy metal. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one way to get recognized. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, that's awesome, though. Like, Nerdist, you'd be like, hey, I want to try this and I'm going to cover it for, for you guys. And they're like, all right, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Yeah. And then it was it was one of those things where it was also like, you get that wonderful jolt of being like, yeah, man, I get to go to a concert for free on Nerdist's dime. Yeah. And then they're like, all right, we need you to write four articles about this and we need it to be like different types of articles. And I'm like, oh, right. I got to work. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's the only thing. So you can't get fucking hammered and. Yeah. So and I, I can't go get blitzed mind. and just wander the crowd or anything. Right. But, um, and then it, it really wasn't that bad though. Cause most of the, most of the article stuff I did was like sitting down and interviewing bands I liked. So it's like, okay, I get to sit on this bus and talk to, you know, Fear Factory about the fact that we all love Terminator. <laughs> Damn, man. You, you, the way you, man, the way you describe Nurse, that's a, that sucks it, was, that it ended. And that was the thing, man. It was a fucking dream. And that was mm-hmm. why, like, as I, I talk and about it. Were you it, making my, good enough money, like, to, like, live? I made decent enough money. I, it's, yeah. I had instances where it was a little rough because I was also the kind of jackass where now that I'm making better money... I'm now spending more of that money on shit. Yeah, that's my problem too. Is every year I've gotten like a raise at my job and I'm like, but why am I not saving any money? It's like, oh, because subconsciously I have more money, so I'm just spending it. Oh yeah. It's it's exactly how <laughs> I am, where it's like I'll have yeah. a bunch of money now. And I'm like, dude, because I have this money, I can fucking spend it. Right. And then it's like, great, now I've got an Xbox and a PlayStation and I'm in debt. <laughs> what uh so the the nerdist ends now we're just going to go through your life. The Nerdist sure. ends. Um, how do you like get out of it? Like, how do you turn yourself, get yourself out of that hole? It was honestly a while. Um, yeah. I didn't really, I mean, outside of being on the show with you guys, I and didn't we, do anything. We're not paying you. I know. I know. And that's, <laughs> no, that's I'm not the saying thing we is, won't ever pay you, but we weren't paying you. And no, and that's the thing is I, I didn't, I, the weird thing is though you asked the question, I didn't even look at it financially. My immediate thought was creativity, like creatively. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I was um, thinking financially. I'm like, dude, you're without a job. No, financially I was working part time as a sales rep for Samsung. Oh, so shit. I was, I was like, if you go to your Best Buy, and you walk into the mobile phone department and you, you got the guy. Samsung dude who's like trying to be like, hey, buy the Note 9. That was me. Well, you you do have a, I'll give you this. You have a very, per, like, I'm, I, I've never met you, but I've spoken to you plenty of times now. I mean, you, you have a way with words where I, I, you're, you're very easy to talk to. I could imagine you being a good, decent sales rep. Oh, stop, Anthony. I'm already taken. But <laughs> other than the other than the the fact that you you you're afraid of putting yourself out there, but yeah, this is not your product. It's I tend to be else's. I tend to be my own worst enemy. But that's yeah. I guess that's also the side that I look at is like when it comes to selling like cell phones or whatever, like it doesn't fucking matter to me. Right. It's like, hey man, do you wanna you wanna buy the Note Nine? Well, why would I want to buy the Note Nine? Well, it's got a bigger battery, it's got a bigger screen, it's able to do this, this, and that. Like I've got facts for it. 
But if someone's like, why do I want to hire you? The first thing I thought is like, why the fuck do you want to hire me? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I wound up, it was a bit of a struggle when it came to work. Like I, I was trying to essentially take a part-time sales job and turn it into full-time by working in like three different stores. Oh man. So it's like, I'm doing 20 hours in this store, 10 in this one, 10 in another. And like, I'm driving all over fucking Northeastern Pennsylvania to do it. And I did that for about a year and a year and change. And, and creatively 15 months were, or so. And creatively, you're just doing our show. Creatively. The most I was doing is I was, I was on the show with you guys. I kept trying to find ways to like, bolster myself to do writing, whether it was, you know, at times I was like, you know what I want to do? I want to be a comic book writer. You know what I want to do? I want to get back into screenwriting. Mm -hmm. You know what I want to do? I want to finally do shit on my blog again. And like, I could just, I couldn't bring myself to do it. You weren't on uh, how do I, how do I jump? I did. Um, I, uh, how do I jump was, was more along the lines of like, I just kind of got pulled in because I was friends with Peter. Yeah. And he was running the site. Hmm? Is that show still going? No, oh, no, okay. that's, that, that that's was gone for a little bit. Oh, see, so yeah, that's how, how aware I am of things. That that was a podcast about video games. Yeah, for the audience so that was that, that was a, that was a weekly kind of. It's almost a jock and nerd about video games exclusively. So mm-hmm. it was like weekly news stories and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, like I got pulled in because uh, Peter was a friend. We both loved video games. We would chat Peter about Kendall. it. Peter Kendall. Uh, and also he, had on the jock and nerd podcast. And so he essentially was just like, Hey man, do you want to show up on the podcast at some point? And I said, yeah, I got nothing to do. Um, it wasn't that casual. I was actually really excited about it. Um, <laughs> I love video games. I've always wanted to talk about this stuff, but, uh, so we got pulled in, I got, I got brought in and I was, I was working on the site and I was doing a little bit of writing for them and stuff here and there. But again, it was one of those things where like, I couldn't like, I would take on things that I wanted to do and then I would never finish them. Because mm. I just couldn't convince myself that what I was doing was good. Oh man, you really do have a glass half empty kind of personality. It's it's, it's <laughs> a weird thing, man. Because it's it's like honestly, I'm very I I I can sell myself in the way of being like I'm very personable. I love you talking with people. I love being able to like be fun and creative and whatever. Now, but mm-hmm. like at this point, at that at that moment. My feeling was just like, you know, I can't, I can't get myself motivated to it. Nobody loves me. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> but um, and so it was at, at a point where a little ways down the way, like Peter wound up getting a job working on a cruise ship for nine That's months. Fucking crazy too. And so he wound up having to leave, and I kind of stepped in as one of the two people who took over running the podcast. And we did our best to kind of keep it afloat. And I think we did an okay job, but like it was, it was rough sailing for a little while, mm-hmm. pun intended. Um, nice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, other than that, it was, it was the thing that I realized was doing, doing what the fuck happened was the creative outlet that I really kind of needed because it allowed me to both be creative, but also be negative in a fun way. <laughs> this is that is definitely true the if you haven't ever listened to a what the fuck happened on our show it's it's you just creatively thinking of ways to bash a movie yeah it's uh, uh um to narrate and then f- further bash yes 
uh, uh, Bonner Demling, who is a, a patron for the show uh, yeah. and is uh, uh, your my friend? girlfriend. Oh, your um, girlfriend. Yeah. That's your girlfriend. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> I had no fucking idea. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm not a, a, a person who really kind of talks not about that anyone shit. else who know, is listening knows who Bonner Demling no, is. I know, I know I who know. Bonner Demling is. I was going to really? say, she's, shit, she's in the nation. You. You'll see her post every so often, but she's, uh, she, she coined the term that I think is one of my favorites when it comes to the what the fuck happened. And that's entertaining complainer. <laughs> that it's, Dude, she's, I, she's cute, man. Good for you. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's it's finding a way to to um take just something that I it's like instead of bashing on something where I'm just like this is the stupidest fucking thing in the world it's finding Anyone a way to bring the humor out of it because like yeah it's stupid but whatever right and at the end of the day it doesn't really matter but yeah it is you definitely have a way with words where I'm just that's the thing about when you do when you're on our show is I don't even want to say anything because your flow is so funny. I'm just sitting there. Like sometimes I'm just sitting there for like a good five to ten minutes, not saying anything, just laughing the entire time. <laughs> just because. Well, thank you. I don't want to. Well, I don't want. Well, and I, plus you like you're in your rhythm, and I I want to. I feel like I should say something because it's my show, or partly my show. But then I'm like, but he's he's doing his thing. Let's just keep it going. Well, especially because Imran loves to to bill what the fuck happened, as in like this is the show where we don't do anything. And so I'm like, I guess I got to talk the whole time. Then. <laughs> he does. That is the one that is one of the that is actually the only show where he doesn't have to do anything. He yeah. doesn't because legitimately he compl- he he says this on a show and, it, and it's true. He basically does everything. I just show up and talk. Sometimes I give him a little. All right. Maybe we should do this or that or some like pointers here and there. But he he loves doing it. So he does everything. But you, you, you give him a little break whenever you, you come on. So yeah. Thank you, and you're welcome because we're providing you this outlet to, yes, to be exactly. negative and to be creative. And so it's for the longest time that was really kind of what I was doing, and then yeah. it was, um, and then just working odd jobs and shit. Yeah, just just kind of working. I was working retail, just doing whatever I could to kind of keep money flowing and everything like that. Um, and then so 2017 rolled around, and uh, I wound up moving back to Jersey, and it was easy. Back to back to Joyzy, yeah. Um, I won't tell you what exit because it's 154. Um, <laughs> I, I've never been to Jersey, so me, it's this is going right over my head. That's fine. I'm sure that's there's fine. people that listen that are in jo- Joyzy or have been to Joyzy, so they'll know. No, yeah, it's it's actually I, I'm pretty sure I even got the exit wrong, but it's whatever. No, the, the whole joke is that all of New Jersey is built around the garden state parkway. Cause it runs from like the tip of South Jersey up into the, the North section of it. Okay. So the joke is, is what exit are you? Cause that's the only way you know what town or area of Jersey you're in. I see. Um, so there's that little tidbit for you. You can keep that forever. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I always like having you, uh, bits of knowledge that don't really mean much so thank you. <laughs> bits of knowledge that might work in the worst game of jeopardy yeah was, worst game of jeopardy or the random trivia night at a bar on a tuesday at seven o'clock where you might win a t-shirt at the end <laughs> we're, we're the, the entire uh the entire prize is getting a gift card to the bar you're already in <laughs> and you can't even use it that same night right <laughs> <laughs> i love that i love I, I love random trivia nights at, at bars but uh, so I got back here and it it was about that time that like I, and I realized uh, I 
I lied a little bit because the only other creative outlet that I really had was I'd started working with Cape Swoosh Productions. Oh yeah. In 20 either 2015 or 2016, I don't remember the year specifically. And and just for the audience that doesn't know what is what do you guys do? So Cape Swoosh Productions is a company that uh two of my roommates Jeremy and Rob run. That is we will take uh comic book stories that we really love and we will make radio dramas out of them. Yeah, you do guys do a I don't mean to suck your dick this entire show. Please do. That's that's another awesome thing you guys do, or you do, or that you participate in. Thank you. Um, Very well done. Great. But production. so it was. It started off with like that was a thing where just like I I can't even really fully remember what it was. I just remember they had done it like a couple of things beforehand, and they had put out on Facebook. They're like, hey, you know, we're gonna do a casting call for people to try and do this this next big uh, production that we want to make. And these are your roommates that are doing the casting call? They're my roommates now. Oh, okay. When I, I like, when I first did it, I, I just vaguely <laughs> knew them through like Peter. Oh, okay. I was like, what the you needed to do a casting? All right, makes so sense. So I, I I still audition for stuff with them because really? while it, while it's you know, I, when it comes to doing the podcast that we do now, I kind of just show up because Jeremy and I kind of work on doing a lot of that stuff together. Like he writes it, he edits it, he directs everything. But I I do what I can to try and like take the burden off of him on a lot of stuff. So like, so what's the podcast? How does that differentiate from the the dramas that you guys do? So the, the dramas are a lot more long form. Okay, they'll be anywhere from like an hour to two hours long. Okay, the podcast is maybe thirty minutes, forty five at most. Oh, but it's, it's still voice acting. Yeah, it's still oh, okay. It's still voice acting, but uh, like the the dramas, what they'll do is it's it's full on radio drama where it's trying to kind of go out like a play where it's like full sound effects, music, dialogue, all that stuff. the The podcast, what we do, is more like a glorified reading. So there's a narrator oh. who's telling you the story, essentially like a comic book would, where it's like telling you what the panels would be. And then there is the the cast that's doing the dialogue. That's okay. I see. How's that? How's that been going for you guys? It's going pretty well. Yeah. Uh, they just set up a Patreon recently. Um, it's very smart. Patreon has really helped our show. So yes, uh, I will potentially do one one day if I feel like I have things I can offer on a Patreon. Because outside of being able to have like people read my scripts, I don't know what else I could put up there other than like. Listen to the unedited version where I repeat myself because I fucked up this line. You know, I'll say this. We have things that we offer on our Patreon, the Jock and Nerd one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had audience members or listeners, sorry, on, on the show, T-shirts, giveaways, have, making me watch movies I don't want to watch, all <laughs> kinds of shit. Um, but honestly, we've just, we, at first we just marketed it as like a virtual tip jar sort of thing. Yeah. And we, our the prizes we had weren't like that great. It was like put your name on the show, or we'll put your name on the website, mention on the show. You'd be surprised, man. I think people would, you know, as as you build up your your own audience and get stuff out more consistent, you'd be surprised people just will give you money if they think they like if they think what you're doing is valuable and they want to like tip you. Yeah, I, I think I think I don't I don't think you should overthink that. All right. Well, I'll keep it in the back pocket for now. Yeah. For now, I mean, right now you're still starting out, so yeah. I want to at least be able to. That was the other side of it. Was I was like, I don't know how I can ask people to give me money if I'm currently on a a schedule where it's like I'll make it when I feel like it. Right. 
So the idea that I'm I'm trying to keep it more consistent can at least help with being like once a month you get something that I made. Right. That would make a little bit more sense if you went if and when you get on your your more consistent schedule. Yeah. But yeah, so I did I did Cape Swish for a little bit. Um I mean I still am, but that still, was that yeah, was one of the things that was going an, on. You just announced a new um a new production, right? Yes. So um that you're we are going to be in? starting production on an adaptation of The Umbrella Academy. Uh, which I'm sure plenty of people are going to recognize as what will also be a Netflix series very soon. Yeah. Um, was written by Gerard Way of the My Chemical Romance band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I sound like my father while I say that name. Yeah, you the know my that Chemical uh, My Chemical Romance. Romance band. The My Chemical Romance band. Nice. Um. But so it's it's I I'm going to be playing uh, a character called Mr. Hargreaves or the monocle is essentially the cold and unfeeling head of the group that basically was like the father to these characters. Um, so I believe the way I described it on Facebook was I get to finally flex my best muscles of both being unfeeling and damaging to children. <laughs> it's a, so it's about a bunch of uh kids they're basically a dysfunctional group of superheroes in a alternate world yeah it's it's this story about like the the character of hargreaves kind of adopts these kids who all have specific powers and essentially grooms them all into being like his own x-men i see uh and then the the story kind of picks up years later when they all come back together after uh hargreaves has passed and uh i'm going to i'm going to leave it there yeah leave it there that's that's enough to get you in that's good i mean that should be i mean you're i'm hargreaves isn't one of the main characters right no he's he he's, he's one of those he, characters where like he as a character is a big part of the story but he's not there for a lot of it i see so his influence looms over the story yeah. i haven't read this so Maybe um, I gotta listen to it. Honestly, I really haven't either, or at least not too much of it. I didn't want oh, wow. to. I, I, I mean, I'm gonna. I have a script that I'm gonna read, but right. I, it's. I wanted to read at least a little bit of it to get myself familiar with doing the audition. Um, but weirdly enough, I really like reading the scripts that we have of this stuff when we get it instead of trying to read the comic initially. Is that because you want to put your own? Spin I was gonna on say, it? I get, I get to have my, my, you know self-superior actor thing of like i want it to be my way and i was not just gonna what they say did. that's a lot of that's what a lot of these famous act they go uh, yeah i've done a little research but i i just mostly stuck to the script and i wanted to put my own twist on this yeah exactly this iconic character <laughs> <laughs> that's cool man and so you got that you're doing your podcast like you're back you're back being creative again yeah you're gonna be I'm- back on our show eventually yeah, I I know we have to do at least one more. Uh, what the fuck happened? That got picked out for uh, for Patreon. Which one did we? Which one was that? Uh, I don't even um, keep track of this shit. Ghost Rider. Oh fuck. Yeah. I, know. <laughs> I mean, I say that because I'm gonna have to fucking either watch that again or try to check my memory and see if I remember any of it. Yeah. I'm gonna have to probably watch. I don't remember uh, that movie. I'm gonna say this all. now, man. Uh, after Catwoman. Yeah. I fear nothing. Catwoman is bad. It was a bad movie. Jesus Christ. That was, I mean, we talked about it on that show, but that was just a weird time when they were making superhero movies. It's, it, again, talking about a a, uh, a moment where you kind of rode a high, it got cut out from under you, and you didn't 
you weren't like sure of yourself creatively is exactly what Catwoman came out of. Because it was like DC being like, I don't know, man. Is anybody even going to want to see a Catwoman movie? Shouldn't she have cat powers? Uh, put a big celebrity in it. Right. I was just going to say, and then they pick Halle Berry, who's super, not just physically hot, but just she was she was in that at that moment. Yeah, she was she, one of the best was it right big actresses. Yeah. And they just put her in this shitty movie. I mean, it reminds me of when... Um, j-lo and ben affleck were a thing and then they made geely and i was like oh my god these yeah. two have just like ruined their career for at this moment and it's weird because that was funny enough that was like a year or so before daredevil mm-hmm. when he straight up left j-lo for jennifer garner oh yeah that's right <laughs> he's had a interesting history with women i mean he's, i was gonna say the thing that i th- thought was really funny was when it finally came out that like ben affleck's banging the maid or something like that it was like is she that surprised like he was more than willing to just dump whoever whenever he wanted yeah i mean now he's what dealing with like drug issues or some shit i think i think alcoholism alcoholism or at least that's what he says i don't know yeah that i whole- mean i'm not i'm not gonna turn around and be like yeah fucking whatever like dude that that shit's tough it, oh no it is i'm I'm not putting that down at all. I'm just like, he's in a rough spot now. Yeah. No, and that's, I guess at the same time, it's it's a little different when it's like, oh yeah, he broke up with his girlfriend to be with somebody else versus he cheated on his wife with the woman who looked after his kid. Oof. Hey, I mean, it's it's easy to cruise. Everyone's got skeletons, right? Oh yeah. So it's, but, you know, whatever. At least he's not playing Batman anymore. See, my feeling, I said on, I think I said it on The Nation, but I don't remember. My feeling about Ben Affleck as Batman was he had potential. I think he got fucked. But they never gave him a chance. Yeah. Um, I think the way that I described it was outside of the scene in Batman v Superman where he breaks into that warehouse and beats the shit out of a bunch of guys, uh, which was actually a really cool scene. Everything else was just stupid. And you yeah, could I think tell. I think you mentioned that on our show. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we, we talked about the whole him not being Batman anymore before the, the Punisher review. Oh, that's right. Yeah. These things all run together. No, nah, I know. But yeah. And that's that's the problem I had was like they they undercut him so many times. And you could just tell like this wasn't what he wanted it to be. And he was so checked out by Justice League. Yeah, I mean you, that 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 reaction to when there was that interview where people were, or the interview was like, "Yeah, Batman v Superman's just it's getting panned critically," and he he could see him just slump. Like, yes, really? the, the 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 slow zoom into him just being like, "Uh oh." Yeah, he's <laughs> it, like real like because he had caught a lot of flack with that casting too. Everyone's like, "What, Batman, Ben Ben Affleck? Really? Come on." And that was the problem was because so many people were like, you mean the dude who was in that shitty Daredevil movie? Right. No one had like, watched right. him in the films prior where he was actually, I thought, doing, I thought he was turning his career around and being like, people were considering him a real actor again. Like, this guy's, this guy's legit. He can direct. He can act. I remember, I think it was when they announced it in 2013 that he was yeah. going to be Batman. I actually wrote a thing on the Ginger Geek blogs where I ranted, uh, and it wasn't even so much about how I don't think Ben Affleck was a good choice. 
that I just thought adding Batman into the Man of Steel universe was a terrible choice at that point. I thought so, too. Because I, I said, I, you can already tell that this is entirely reactionary because they were like, oh, we're going to do a, a Superman movie and it's going to be very much like Bat, like the Dark Knight stuff was. And everyone was just like, eh, whatever. And so mm-hmm. they freaked out and they're like, well, no, 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 no. It's, um, uh, it's setting up a universe where, where Batman's there too and he's going to be in the next movie. And you're like, dude, Batman wasn't the selling point. <laughs> right. No, they, I mean, they, I, I have to admit, when I, when they first announced that they were doing a Batman v Superman, the kid in me was like, damn, yes, this is awesome. I finally get to see this. Because I'd read uh, The Dark Knight Returns, and mm-hmm. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, it seemed like, they, you know, when they announced it, the guy on stage, I forget who the fucking guy was, reads the quote from The Dark Knight Returns at San Diego Comic Cons, where Batman has his hand at his neck or whatever, and like, oh, yeah, just yeah, remember yeah. that it was me or whatever. So, you know, that, that pumps you up and then they announce it and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. But then thinking back on it, you know, thinking critically after the fact that it was announced, it's like, they're really rushing this. They're really rushing the, to get their universe in order. I don't know if this is going to work. And, you know, Superman, Man of Steel come out and it did okay, yeah. but it wasn't like, it did, it, did it wasn't better. gangbusters. It did better than Superman Returns, but it yeah. wasn't, but it also wasn't, you know, it was a very, I wouldn't say divisive. It was a very a movie where it was just kind of like, meh, it came out. All right, cool. Yeah, and I know, I know we've discussed this before because we've trashed Man of Steel and we've trashed Batman v Superman and so on and so forth, but, like, I still stick to my guns of what I said before of, like, as much as I love it, Dark Knight ruined DC. Yeah. Because the moment they realized they could make a billion dollars off of a, a, a comic book movie, they refused to accept anything less. This is true. That, that, and, well, that, and then they made Green Lantern which was supposed to be a little bit more hopeful and cheery and like a little bit brighter. Well, yeah, that was their uh, attempt at making their own Iron Man. Yeah, and they 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 really fucked that one up too. Mm-hmm. So they're like, to, well, to shit. To know more about Green Lantern, check out the "What the fuck happened to Green Lantern" <laughs> episode. <laughs> oh, that's right, we did one of those too. Um, off the or not off the air when we tried to start this podcast earlier, I w- I brought up something that I want to touch back touch base on again. Yeah, t- talk about again. So. You're, you you watch pro wrestling still? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I know like, Rug Boy has given me shit for it before, but I do. I you know I I used to I watched pro wrestling until probably so I here was my pro wrestling history. I, I was Hulkamaniac. Mm-hmm. As a kid. how old are you, by the way? I am twenty nine. Oh shit! I'm fucking older than you. But we grew up around the same time. All right, so yeah, absolutely. I was a Hulkamaniac. Then when Ultimate Warrior came. I, he was my guy. The fucking running oh, yeah. of the ring and all that shit. The 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 armbands, the the fucking tassels on your the booby tassels on his knees. They were great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was into pro wrestling. Once Hulk Hogan went to WCW, I kind of followed him there. But I was still watching WWF, um, but wasn't all that enthralled by like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Um, but I watched all up until probably like ninety nine two thousand, and then once. In in school, it started. You know, people started to realize, hey, wrestling's fake. Like, I'm you're t- at this time, I'm twelve, thirteen. That's the yeah. age where you're like, oh, wrestling's fake. This is, you know, it's kind of stupid. Like, it's kind of looked upon down upon to watch it at that point. Um, yeah. I jumped back in a little bit in high school, like around two thousand four, because Brock Lesnar started wrestling, or two thousand five, I think. And I was just like, uh, this- I think that might have been like, yeah, oh five, oh five. I was like, I just saw him on. I turned on. 
was flipping through the the, t- the TV and I saw him on Raw. And I was like, this fucking guy's enormous. Like, I got <laughs> what is this, what is going on? He's gonna face The Rock, and I watched it a little bit. So I started watching, and I was like, oh, The Rock's still here. Triple H, Undertaker, these guys are all still around. What the fuck? Hulk Hogan was like showing up occasionally. I'm like, this shit's. Yep. This is like my my nostalgia, and I started like reading like the pro wrestling sites and getting in on like, oh, this is what the storyline's gonna be. Oh, this guy's injured. Oh, this is going on. So I started getting into all like the behind the scenes shit. Um, and then I stopped in like a year, like a couple of years after that, and I haven't really been. I like have a peripheral view of what's going on, but I haven't been following since. But my point being is, it's totally cool. Like wrestling, I I I've still. <laughs> I still uh, respect what's going on, and I, I know there's a hardcore crowd that follows like everything behind the scenes, and there's the indie crowd. Indie crowd, so yeah, man. What what do you think about the the current state of the WWE, or are you following it enough to even have an opinion? The the truth is, I like I've only and really Brock started. Brock Lesnar's champ right now. Yeah, so, uh, Brock Lesnar's been champ for like three years now. Yeah. Um, I've only really started following it more adamantly um, in the past few months uh strictly because a group of my friends and i because we live in jersey we got tickets to go to wrestlemania at metlife oh was that like three or four years ago no that's in like two months oh this upcoming one yes holy shit that's cool so we got we what got if it's like pumped. 30 degrees yeah we'll wear coats i guess no i'm not saying for you i'm saying what if it's like 30 degrees and those guys got to walk out in their underwear and wrestle oh uh, yeah I, um I don't know, man. I don't know what steroids does to your <laughs> blood pressure, I guess. <laughs> uh, but like, so because we were able to like snag tickets, we're going to go to WrestleMania. I'm like, all right, I should know what's going follow. on a little more than than I did previously, because I would jump in at, in and out every so often. And like you, you know, I, I started off as a kid. Um, I started just a little bit later and I actually started at WCW because I thought Sting was like the coolest fucking thing in the world. Sting is pretty cool. So I was there for that for a long time. I wound up going over to WWF about like 98, 99. And that's kind of like where I stayed from there until maybe like, yeah, 2002, 2003 or something. Um, but other than that, like I would, I would check in every so often, but like it, it had kind of lost me once like the attitude era had died down. Yeah. That's when it got kind of lame. But um, like recently, I've kind of gotten back into it because like like you said, you know, yeah, it's it's a predetermined thing and it's mostly like a soap opera, but like it's still athletic as shit, man. Like I'm not in that shape. I'm not going to pretend like I'm better than them because they also act while doing backflips. I also uh, what my appeal of it or the appeal I had when I was in high school and even to this day, I still respect is not only the, uh, the athleticism is for sure amazing. There's some crazy shit that they're doing and you know the timing and all that like the wrestling part of it is hard and very um beautiful if it's if a match is choreographed well but the thing that intrigues me the most is those writers and how they have to figure out how to push people mm-hmm. and like who like their thought process on okay this we're gonna try to make this guy become famous and then a lot of times like the crowd will pick who should become famous over the guy that's supposed to become famous so that that whole dynamic of trying to figure out okay when is the right guy to when is the right time to push this guy or girl how is the crowd going to react okay how do we pivot if the crowd doesn't like this like all that working storyline because it's every week uh, is some of the more intriguing stuff for me yeah and the thing that i find interesting uh that you bring that up right now is there's there's a whole big issue with that going on at the moment in the stuff that's happening now okay um they brought in ronda rousey 
about a year ago. Yeah, I'm familiar with... Uh, be, uh, obviously, I watch a ton of UFC, so I'm familiar yeah. with her being there. So they brought in Ronda Rousey, um, and when she first showed up, like everybody loved her. Everyone was so hyped at the idea of her being there. Like she was, she was the it girl immediately walking in the door. See, I when I when she came over, I had watched her in movies and I had seen how awful her acting was. And I think I even said it on the show. I'm like, she's gonna do terrible in the in the WWE, and she's been amazing, right? Fat, well, not amazing, but they the uh, the crowd reacted to her really well initially. Yes. Fast forward six months. Okay. They put the belt on her immediately. Like her first pay-per-view that she's in, she wins the Raw women's title and she has had it since then. Was that too soon? Um, It was. Oh, yeah. Because it's literally it's the people. The reason that people were upset was Brock Lesnar has essentially been what people refer to as a part timer for two years. Mm -hmm. He shows up for pay-per-views only. Defends the belt, wins the match, walks away, and now he and the title are gone for a month. Oh, the hardcore fans got to be pissed. About and so that, everyone's, huh? every, yeah, everyone's pissed at the idea of like, dude, no one on the show gets to like compete for this title because the guy who holds it doesn't show up. He doesn't defend it. Like he doesn't work. So people got real pissed about that. So when Rhonda showed up, everyone assumed they were like, great. So Rhonda's going to show up and she's going to be a part-time women's champion, right? Right. And so she's telling everyone, no, 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 I'm going to be here. I'm, I've signed a three-year deal. I'm going to be here every week. I'll defend my title whenever I need to, so on and so forth. And I, to her credit, yeah, she's been there every week. But they've also made it that she's essentially like unable to be beaten. Um, no one, like anyone who's come up against her has lost. She's held the title this whole time, but away from that is people started to recognize she is awful on the microphone. <laughs> I, that I would have predicted as well. She like the worst part is, is she's coming out here billing herself as the baddest woman on the planet. But every time she goes walking down the ramp to the ring, she's got the biggest fucking smile on her face because she loves being in front of a crowd. Hmm. And then she's got to start acting like an like a tough ass. But she's stumbling over all of her words. She can't remember her damn lines. Like, she is just the worst at trying to play this. <laughs> and everybody's getting pissed to the point where everybody in the locker room is pissed that she's here. Oh, wow. Really? So now she's got, like, legitimate beef going on with a bunch of, like, the other female wrestlers because they all see her as being Lady Brock Lesnar. You're only here because you were UFC. They handed you a championship because that was how they convinced you to come here. And now you have and now you you're basically proving that you don't belong here. So like Jeez, she, she's thanks. got like like nobody really wants her there, but the only person who does is Vince McMahon. He's the most important person, I, I would assume, still. Exactly. Yeah. The problem is, is that a lot of the fans have come to realize that this is how WWE works, is if you can get Vince McMahon to like you, then you get whatever you want. So, like Lesnar, he loves Lesnar because Vince Vince has such a boner for giant, muscly dudes. So, it's like, he loves Lesnar because Lesnar's a big, buff dude, and it's like, this is what a man should look like. <laughs> so, then you've got, like, other wrestlers who are smaller technical wrestlers that are really good at what they do 
who don't do anything from week to week because Vince doesn't think they look like a champion. He's still doing that shit. Oh, yeah. He's still obsessed with the big guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I thought that all changed when uh, your boy Daniel Bryan won like a few years ago. That he the problem was, was Daniel Bryan had to fight for that for a while. And I think it was Triple H that finally pushed Vince to let it happen. Oh, I was going to say, because he won it. I was, um, I'm fortunate enough to work for a company that has access to the Allstate Arena in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So I was, I got free tickets. I didn't even ask. I got free tickets to uh, Money in the Bank in like 2011, I think it was. And that was the, when CM Punk beat John Cena for the title. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, she, that was, and he left, right? Like he ran out the crowd and it was supposedly like this was his last match. Um, first off, the, that was the most insane experience ever with the crowd. Like they were so into CM Punk. I, I It was unbelievable. It was so loud that entire match. The um, the thing with CM Punk and they're, they're really trying to kind of create something like this again was uh, Punk was the type of guy where he he was the anti-establishment star Mm -hmm. because he came into the company and he loved pushing this whole bill of goods of this company's bullshit. You know, Vince, Vince doesn't know what he's doing. He is a a mad tyrant. Like, you know, all of this stuff is ridiculous. No one's giving me a chance because they don't like the fact that I'm spilling the truth about this and so on and so forth. And the crowd loved it because no matter what they tried to do with punk, whether they wanted him to be a heel, whether they wanted him to be a face, the crowd loved him no matter what, because he was just, he had that cocky swagger of, I don't give a shit, man. I'll do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. Like, I mean, I remember, I was gonna say, I remember I brought him up because he was not, he was bigger than Daniel Bryan, but not that big and not, I mean, his body build, if I could describe it, was like doughy <laughs> yeah. for his, for someone like his size. I, quick side note when I was into wrestling like really into it in 2005 2006 I I saw CM Punk wrestle in a high school gym for Ring of Honor it was his oh. last match against that's awesome Colt Cabana so there's my wrestling cred <laughs> <laughs> nice I also in, in that same night I'll, I'll throw some names at you um, was a um tag team match between Samoa Joe uh, this black guy that I forget what his name was he ended up in TNA he would do like Ric Flair impersonations oh yeah I remember him there's that video that goes around where it's him and Ric Flair wooing back and forth at each other yeah yeah I forgot what he he was Jay style something I don't forget it was Samoa Joe that guy versus um, Loki his name was Loki L-O-W-K-E-Y and uh, some other fucker. I don't know. Some some other Hispanic guy. But it, I was like, and these these guys ended up, or a lot of these guys ended up in like WWE or the, the TNA promotion. Mm-hmm. But this was like way before they all got famous. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, so uh, side note. But yeah, CM Punk was, uh, I thought, I, I was like, I, going back to what, what I was bringing up before, I thought with like CM Punk winning and Daniel Bryan that Vince was over his uh his his obsession with making seven foot tall or six foot eight to seven feet tall giants champ. I don't know, or, man. It's like it's so weird in the fact that like they'll they'll do that every so often where like somebody will get the belt, but 
it almost feels like he's doing that to kind of like shut the crowd up for a while. So then he can then turn around and be like, all right, I'm going to put the belt on whoever I want for the next like 20 months or whatever. Um, so what's going to happen is, is uh, I'm looking up the WrestleMania card right now. So Brock Lesnar's facing Seth Rollins, who's mm-hmm. a big CrossFit guy, by the way. Yes. Seth Rollins, CrossFit Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's a smaller guy. Is 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 he going to win the belt? Um, the the problem is that it's not certain because a lot of people are wondering. It's to a point now where like wrestling, you don't even play on the idea of like the storyline of what they're doing. Is that a lot of people they play it off of things like, well, Brock Lesnar's contract ends at the end of March, so uh, they'll probably or like the end of April, so they'll probably have him lose the belt and then he won't sign back on. And then he'll win at WrestleMania, and the next day they'll announce, like, Brock Lesnar renews contract for another three years. And you're like, great. So he's going to be champ for another three years. I saw. I, I The only reason I'm aware of that is because he was supposed to fight in the UFC sometime around March because mm-hmm. everyone in the UFC was like, yeah, he's, he's done. He's going to be done with, with wrestling. And then it came out, oh, by the way, he's doing more wrestling. But yeah. he has the option of doing UFC, but he's doing more wrestling. I was like, oh, all right. Which is weird because it's like, it's like, yeah, Vince put into his contract, like, you have the option to go do UFC if you want. And then he just, like, doesn't. Right. I mean, it's for for Brock. Why would you do UFC? (laughs) He literally has to work. He has to work one night a month to to, to be able to pull in a bunch of fucking money. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, I I read there's some obscene number that he gets paid to, to go to Saudi Arabia and wrestle. Whenever they do those shows, oh, yeah. a ton yeah, of yeah, controversy. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking up here. Ronda Rousey's fighting or fighting Jesus Christ wrestling Charlotte Flair. So Rick that's Flair's daughter. That's the big controversy they have going right now. Okay. So um, for a little while now, there is another female wrestler who is really big at the moment named Becky Lynch. Uh, Becky Lynch is this little Irish firebrand who essentially at this point in time is trying to build herself to be like the female Steve Austin. Nice. <laughs> she refers to herself as the man. Um, a lot of people are assuming that's because uh, she has been feuding with Charlotte Flair for a while. Uh, and it's a joke on Ric Flair's old saying oh, of to be the man, the man, you have to beat the man. Sure. Yeah, yeah I like it. Um, so she refers to herself oh, she's as a little cutie. the man. Uh, the problem she is looks like the female version of you. No, she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, her, her hair color's fake. So, Oh, that's fake. Okay. Um, but she, she's been getting a big push lately. Cause she's kind of playing this whole like CM Punk, Steve Austin thing of like, you know, fuck WWE. They're constantly trying to take away my opportunities. Like, you know, I've, I've fought and scraped my way to get to the top and I deserve this. And so they've been starting billing uh, Charlotte as this big heel who's like, you know, Vince McMahon's, you know, favorite. And so uh, this past week, they had this whole storyline of uh, they were saying, you know, Becky, Becky has an injured knee. And if she won't go to the doctors and get it checked out, we're going to pull her out of WrestleMania. And she finally apparently did. And they're like, oh, yeah, she'll be fine. She can wrestle in WrestleMania. And then Vince came out and was like, I don't think so. You've been having a bad attitude and I'm not okay with that. So I'm putting <laughs> Charlotte in this match. <laughs> the are problem- still doing the uh, Vince McMahon is a bad guy. Shit? Oh, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. No, he'll do that until the day they bury him. Oh, my God. He, right. he fucking loves coming out and playing the heel. <laughs> um, 
That's so old. All right, keep, keep going. But so it's it's a lot of people are assuming this is essentially just going to build into the idea of it's going to be a triple threat match at WrestleMania between Charlotte, Becky, and Ronda. Um, that either Becky or Charlotte will pin or submit the other one, so that way Ronda loses the belt, but doesn't actually lose. Oh, that's lame. Um, and then they can continue the feud of Becky and Charlotte for, for however long, because despite Rhonda saying she was going to be here for three years, she's apparently already making noise about leaving after a year. I saw that on reported on like an MMA site and saying like some are saying she wants to get back into MMA. Others are saying she wants to quit and go start a family with her husband. That, that's one of my coworkers was like, yeah, I think she's, I mean, who knows, but she, that, that was the rumor that she wants to start a family or some shit. So we'll see what it is, but it it ultimately turns out that everybody wants it to be Becky versus Ronda at WrestleMania. They want it to main event. So that way it's the first ever main event of WrestleMania with two females. That'd be dope. Um, But it seems like because Charlotte Flair being Ric Flair's daughter, who which basically means she's a favorite among Vince and the family. They seem dead set on the idea of not having a first ever women's main event that doesn't have her involved. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it seems like what you from what you're telling me that they should do Becky Lynch versus Ronda, but that is that's essentially what what most of the the fans want from it. And it's funny because at the beginning of the year, the McMahons came out and made this whole announcement on like the first raw of the year about like, we've listened to you guys and we're going to be doing more of what you want to see. And we're going to make, you know, the, the fans are going to finally be the authority on what matches happen. And that never actually happened from then. Lame, 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 lame. Yeah. How are you on time? Uh, uh, probably a few more minutes. Okay. We'll do a few more minutes and then just let me, give me a heads up. Yeah, sure. And we're not editing this out, so cool. Uh, the, the the audience is listening to us talk about this in in real time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, this isn't live, but whatever. Um, damn. Well, is is um, Seth Rollins going to beat Brock? Uh, I don't know. Um, CrossFit Jesus. CrossFit Jesus. I would I would love to see it happen, but I mean, uh, I don't know. It's. Well, here's my Vince, thing. Vince is so up on Brock, no matter what. Brock is. He's not scheduled, but they've been hinting at this fight with for the UFC belt with Daniel Cormier, who's yeah. the current UFC champ. Daniel Cormier wants to fight him. Now, Daniel Cormier was supposedly going to retire in March, but now he's like, I'm going to push this back. I can still make some more money. I'm still good. Um, that's the fight he wants. I think that's the fight the UFC wants to make because Brock Lesnar even as being eight years removed from competing full time and I think nine year, eight or nine years removed from winning a fight in the UFC. Um, his last fight, I don't know if you knew this, his last fight in the UFC was like in 2016, I think. Okay. Fought Mark Hunt at UFC 200. They brought him back for like this special like fight purchase. And it was like, Oh, we got Brock Lesnar back. And Brock Lesnar won the fight. He won it by decision. He didn't look that great. He won. And then immediately gets popped for steroids. <laughs> well, and I was gonna say, I and have they, to wonder for for how long he's been wrestling, yeah. <laughs> just how like how good he would even be back in the octagon. I, yeah, I was getting to the point of he's really not like qualified at all to even be fighting for a UFC title. 
because he's not like this. It's he's not he's going to get crushed. Oh yeah. But this is what the UFC wants. They want to make this fight happen. I don't know how much they're going to add to his pocketbook. Um, but just going off that, there's a good chance he might lose a belt. Because <laughs> I don't see Vince yeah. letting him go to the UFC. I've had this argument with coworkers, and they they know that watch WWE and watch UFC, and they're a little bit more in the know than I am. But I'm like, I don't think it makes a lot of business sense for him to walk around with the WWE belt to a UFC event, no matter the pub, and get crushed like he's going to probably get crushed. We'll have to see if I can find the the clip, and I'll send it to you. But there's a video clip from last year's WrestleMania Mm -hmm. where Brock like after his match, he comes walking back to the backstage area, like goes up the ramp, walks back in. And literally like the first thing he does is he walks by like the directing booth and he takes the, like the universal championship belt they have. And he just like whips it across the room onto a chair and keeps walking out. And you just randomly hear like Vince McMahon yelled him like, Hey asshole. (laughs) Is that a work or is that real? Oh, I don't know. But that's the thing is like it's like he walks in just like tosses the belt to the side like fuck this shit and like just keeps walking. I mean, here's the thing, it could definitely be fake, but having watched Brock in uh, WWE and then following him quit cuz he wanted to play football and his reaction to like that match when he had against Goldberg when he was quitting. Cuz I remember watching that and him being mm-hmm. like just flicking off, like just being pissed off to even be there. Um, and then like his attitude in the UFC, it is well within reason that he's just like a cranky motherfucker and was just oh, like, I don't doubt it because he, whatever. he fully strikes me as the type of person that he's one of these guys where like, I mean, granted, you know, that the rampant steroid use is definitely part of it. <laughs> he strikes me as one of these guys where it's like, when I'm in a match, I'm in the fucking zone, man. And I'm not out of the zone until it's over. Right. So I could see him being like the kind of guy where like once the match is over, it's like for the next 10 minutes, he's a fucking douche. I could see that. He's also really sweaty. Oh, yeah. Well, he's really sweaty <laughs> and he's beat red. <laughs> his yeah, his whole body just turns a different like he is if he when he's not wrestling, I think he's one of the more pasty motherfuckers in the WWE when he's not oh, yeah. putting on no, the, he's, that orange suntan lotion that they all put on. He's super pale until he gets done wrestling and then he's a squinty tomato. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, w- maybe he was just I don't know I have no idea I, I actually have I saw that clip the other day it just popped up on my feed so I watched it and I was like what the fuck is this and then I had to look up like when that happened I, I didn't know that was last year's Wrestlemania yeah that was for one of the, the documentaries they were doing oh really yeah so Seth Rollins might win the title there's there's a chance he might I mean they're already building this thing whole thing where like literally I think um, Brock gave him a concussion a week ago so he's not medically cleared to do anything for a while. So they're doing the so not like, medically cleared thing with two of the top, the two of the challengers. Yes. Well, the, the thing is, they're not they're not actually talking about the fact that Seth Rollins isn't medically cleared. It's like the the websites. Are oh, that's a about real. It. It's a real concussion. No, so it's like literally they like he got they gave him a concussion. Um. So while so this real concussion, whereas Becky Lynch is fake. Becky knee Lynch's knee is most likely fake. It's it's okay. that's probably a work, but um, so he he really got like effed up the other night and was not medically cleared to, to wrestle for like a week or two. Um, so they had this whole thing where like he's just kind of like coming out and like talking shit in the middle of the ring, and then like Paul Heyman will come out and talk shit back to him, and then that's it. Then they'll move on to the next thing. 
So it's like they they can't even do the whole thing where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, Brock, I don't even want to wait for WrestleMania. We're going to do this now. And then they get into a match or whatever. Like, it's just it is now going to be two months of them just talking. Yeah. And the worst part is they have two other pay-per-views to do. Mm. So, like, it, it, you you can't even like you don't even care about these other pay-per-views like Ronda's defending her title against fucking somebody on Sunday. And it doesn't matter because she, they're not going to she's not going to lose the belt at elimination chamber when she's set up to go to mania. Yeah, they, they should just get rid of that, like in between pay-per-view, huh? I, it's what I think the problem is, is they need to stop doing this whole like WrestleMania season thing because it's like Royal Rumble ends with whoever wins the Rumble gets to be the, the one who gets the title shot at mania. Right. So it's like, okay, it means Royal Rumble's important and Mania's important, but the two months in between doesn't matter. So you need to find a way to make it that they matter. Here's here's my thought as the uh, outsider now to pro wrestling. I remember the Rumble, it's always in January, and then WrestleMania is like late March, April. Mm-hmm. They should just fucking either move up or like move back the Rumble so that those things are one month apart. And you don't have this long buildup of like this two month, two to three month buildup of the challenger. Like, oh, is he going to keep his rumble uh, contract? Who's he going to choose? Uh, what are we going to do with the champ? Is the champ still going to be the champ? Like, why don't they just do it like for a month of build up and like just get right into it? Like, let's just yeah. fucking have this match. It's the problem that I foresee is they love having their big quarterly pay per views. So it's oh, like okay. Mania's in January, I mean, Rumble's in January, Mania's in April, then SummerSlam is July, and then they have like Survivor Series in November. And Survivor it's like Series. all the ones between those are just whatever. But it's like those big four are the ones that you need to be paying attention to. Well, at least now with the the network, you don't have to splurge as much because I was part of the, I mean, you were too part of the day when they were doing monthly pay-per-views and having and you were, to shell you were out dropping like 99 bucks, bucks yeah, or like, to, like the big one. Yeah. You'd, 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 gel, you'd shell out like 50 for the big ones. WrestleMania was like 60. And then at some point they just made all the pay-per-views the same price except WrestleMania, which was like, Oh my yeah. God, I'm paying like 50 bucks a month for this shit. Yeah. And it's just no, like, yeah, I, remember, I remember, I remember the age Raw or SmackDown. Yeah, I remember being 10 years old, being at that age where I'm begging my parents, please, 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 can I watch the King of the Ring or whatever it is on pay-per-view? <laughs> I remember, here's a, a funny side note, and then we can kind of wrap up. Sure. I remember being so upset when the our cable went out and we had ordered a pay-per-view, and it was, I think it was an in-your-house mm-hmm. pay-per-view. The, the match that I most wanted to see and in hindsight, it was a terrible match and probably a terrible storyline. But as a kid, I thought this was fucking amazing. Was, and I missed it because that night I was so, I think I was sobbing, crying. Was It was The Undertaker versus, drumroll, The Undertaker. As a kid, I thought that was the fucking, do you remember that storyline? Yeah, when there was, there was the, the imposter the Undertaker, Undertaker that was running around. Yeah. Yep. And then they and I and they had one with gray gloves and one with purple gloves. I thought that was the craziest shit ever. I was mind blown that they had two Undertakers. I'm trying to remember who it was that was the second Undertaker. I thought they looked exactly the same, and then I watch it back now, and clearly the fake Undertaker is like three inches shorter. Doesn't look like him at all. Oh, it's some fucking dude named Brian Lee. 
So it doesn't. Oh, yeah, Jesus Christ. yeah. He's like he's like six six, and I think uh, I think Mark, what's his name, the actual Undertaker, was like six yeah. eight. Yeah, six eight. So he, it, but it was a noticeable height difference, and I mean the, the fake Undertaker had to like keep putting the the hair in front of his face mm-hmm. just so that you wouldn't realize it was fake Undertaker. But as a kid, I mean, I was, I was so sad. So yeah, yeah. that's my that's my uh, WWE fandom right there. I'm glad we got to nerd out about that because it's. I don't ever talk about WWE because mostly because I don't watch, but oh, yeah. also because I wa- I don't want to lose respect. The uh, the bit that I'll leave you with is um, a few years back. I actually I played on a paintball team with my brother and some people. Okay. And uh, every year there was a really big game that we would play at this field that we went to that was called um, uh, Castle Conquest, where they had this big field where in the middle they had like a big plywood like castle they had built where it's got, like it had like two levels and a big courtyard and all that stuff and the whole point was like one team would be in the castle and they could fire out over the walls at people and you had to the other side was a much bigger team that had to try and storm in and take over and so that year we decided we were going to we we were on the attacking team and I decided this is our big one like this is our Wrestlemania for the year so I wound up going out and I bought the uh, Ultimate Warrior armband tassels. Oh, nice. That I wound up wearing on my arms for that game. And I have to see if I can find a picture. I'll, I'll, I'll send it over to you. But like, I was so proud of myself. Like, at the end of the day, these things were covered in fucking mud. <laughs> it was just, there was me in this sleeveless fucking like, basketball jersey for our team with the logo on it. And these bright pink and yellow and purple tassels just running off my arms. It was the fucking most fun I had. <laughs> that that's awesome. That that's again, Ultimate Warrior was my guy, and I thought oh, those dude, he fucking was, he was my shit. Those fucking booby tassels on his arms and legs <laughs> were were the all, the best thing ever as a child. I think that's um, that's the last thing that I would think of is like when it comes to to pro wrestling. The thing that I miss so much is from the way old days when you just had the most ridiculous gimmicks, and everybody bought it. That yeah, I was gonna. Say, that was exactly what I was gonna say. Is you you bought in? You were like, I'm all in on this. So it's like, like yeah, right Undertaker. Is, Undertaker's is a dead guy that came back to life. Great. The Ultimate Great. Warrior is from parts unknown, and he gains the powers of the gods by shaking the ropes of the ring. Like it's, it's just like <laughs> the stupidest shit. But it was so fun. <laughs> oh yeah, that was. I mean, even like even down to the, like the, the the guys that really weren't all that cool. Like mm-hmm. the bushwhackers fucking walking in and like putting their arms up like idiots and yep. licking people's faces. I was like, yep. this I'm all in. This is the best. This is this is this is what every child should be watching right now because this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey man, thanks for your time, Matt Matthew. Yes, you're <laughs> we welcome, definitely, Anthony. Thank you. I appreciate the full name or the uh, the proper first name. Um, we're definitely going to do this again because there's more things I want to talk about with you and. We didn't hit everything, so oh, within, dude, you know me. I could talk. I could talk forever. Oh, I know, I know. We're going to keep this around an hour and a half or so, but we'll definitely do this again, and we'll, we'll talk about some other shit that pops to mind um, when we hit record. Uh, but in the meantime, is there anything, uh, or is there anywhere people can check you out, or anything you want to plug? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll plug the the Ginger Geek Pod. So if you want to check that out, uh, you can do so over at uh, gingergeekblogs.com. You can find it on just about any of the uh, podcast apps, including Stitcher, um, 
Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, all that stuff. All of the above. Uh, and you can find me every so often uh, here on on Jock and Nerd doing fun Jock stuff. Jock and Nerd or the spinoff show. Either or the one. spinoff show, absolutely. Cool, cool. Well, thanks again, man. And to the audience, we'll uh, see you next time.